Are you the kind of gal who's not interested in how things used to be in the hair industry, who wants to hear from ladies that are paving their own way while making waves? Well then, She Makes Waves is for you. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayuga, and join me as I interview and learn and get curious about other hairstylists I believe are living life on their own terms, defining what success means for them and living lives in alignment with that. Let's dive in. All right, guys. So this episode came to me while I was running on my tread to Taylor Swift. They just did a Taylor Swift edition and it was talking about one of her songs and how she had gotten to this place with the song and it was like about a breakup and it was like she the song represented her not caring what other people thought anymore and just speaking her truth and being who she is. And it the it was all about you know, the instructor was saying like, so often we give people so much power in our lives that um, we don't see the stuff we mean and we don't show up as our biggest, most bold selves. And I, I just resonated with it because she was saying like, I feel like I grew up with Taylor Swift and like she, her, things that she's gone through, I've been going through and like her documentary, I'm like, is this my life or Taylor's? I mean, minus the cat in a backpack and, you know, being a singer, I felt like she finally, you know, it was all like she, she heard all the, if you haven't watched it, highly recommend it, but how she could hear all the applause. So then when everything happened with Kanye West, how she heard all the boos and she didn't realize in that moment that people were booing him. They thought they, she, she thought they were booing her and Gary Vaynerchuk, my favorite, like marketing kind of guru says the same thing that he doesn't hear the applause. So he's able to also live through the boos and the people not accepting him. And I don't know, I just connect with all of that because for so long, you know, you don't want to rock the boat. You are afraid of what if this person hears me talk about this or what if this person hears my stance and on, on this topic and who am I to share it? And like, you know, we kind of can get in our heads and I, it just it resonated with me because I'm like so often we're seeking the approval of people that are no longer in our lives and how it keeps us from the lives we're meant to be living. And... I just think in 2022, as we're in the beginning stages of it, like what would it look like for all of us to just say and do the things that are in our heart that we want to do, that change we want to make in our business, the things that we, I don't know, that we know deep down just like is what we need to do to be authentic to ourselves and I know for myself, there were so many years where I just played it small. I was like afraid of upsetting anyone that I think, you know, there's a quote that talks about, you're not, you're not like sad because of what you feel. You're, you're struggling because you have so much truth inside of you that is dying to get out that you you, you, need to, you need to open your mouth and you need to start speaking that because you're going to get better. And I feel like you do get better. And the thing is, is the criticism that you're afraid of getting, even if it comes and some of it does, you're so on your own path and trusting yourself and honoring yourself and, you know, 
give, valuing what you believe as much as you have other people. Because I know for myself, it's like, oh my gosh, I can cheer everyone else on. I can see the beauty in other people. I can see the strength in other people. And I am quick to undercut myself or quick to not see what makes me special or different or unique. And so I, I, I don't know. I think the more we step into ourselves, the more that when those you know, voices or whether they're real or in your head come along, you have a deeper knowing and a deeper truth. And one thing I always say is that when someone's like very like offended by me or triggered, as I like to say as well, I think it's not for you. Like I, I say this often, but it's like not everything on the internet is, is directed towards you. Some of what people are saying, some of what I say, a lot of what I'm saying isn't meant for everyone. It doesn't mean that what I'm saying isn't true. It might not be true for you and your situation, but it doesn't make what someone's saying their truth, not their truth. And I don't know, I think just, you know, I think it kind of all goes together in this like putting people on pedestals, um, worrying about the perceptions people make of us or have of us. And I think there's a lot of us that... Um, you know, just because I have a bit of a pulse on what's going on from talking to stylists, I feel as though there's a lot of people worried about what everyone else is doing. But I think it's a way of protecting themselves from taking action and moving forward in their own lives. And so it's easier and it feels productive, even though it's not, it's complete and utter waste of our time to... Uh, get kind of give feedback or to be like, you know, this person's doing really good at this, but they could be better at that. It's like all of that could be going into your mission. All of that could be going into the thing that you want to make. All of that energy, time, feedback that these people never asked for could be going into you starting something that you suck at and getting better. And I, I don't know, I, I think um, I had to get over you know, caring what people that were no longer in my life thought about what I was doing. And it was hard. And honestly, how did I do it? I guess I think what it was for me is I had an experience in my life with my marriage and in my business partnership that just completely rocked my world of my identities I'm I'm a I'm a colorist business partner girl boss and I'm this person's wife and like this is my identity like if I can't hang my hat on these two things what do I have and it took me to my knees and then I kind of got there and realized like I'm still me I'm still here I'm still I'm still very much who I always was but I kind of got to take these rose colored glasses off on like who I who I thought I needed to be and how I thought I needed to show up. And by shedding those identities, I feel like I got to kind of just let go and not care so much what people thought because I feel like whether people knew it or not, I felt like these identities had been shattered, right? Like, oh my gosh, like I'm not, I don't have this awesome marriage. I don't have this awesome partnership. Well, fuck, I guess I'll just be me. And it wasn't something I was consciously doing. It's just, I think a lot of us prop ourselves up on identities. Like 
And I had this thought today as I dropped my daughter off at daycare because there's this family, you know, they're kind of rude people. I can just tell they're kind of uppity. And uh, I like pulled up as I was leaving behind this family. You can just tell how they engage with the staff, everything. I'm just a little underwhelmed. But I go out to the car and they've got a vanity plate that says like where they went to college and then, um, you know, what sports team they like and just like all their kind of in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, these are all the little things that they've built their identity on. It's not to pass judgment. It's just, but why do I need to know as I pull up behind you that you went to this college and that you like this sports team? And to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, everything's a lesson. Everything's teaching me something. And what it was teaching me is like, we're so quick to associate, like just attach ourselves to so many things um, outside of ourselves to tell people who we are. And like, I I don't know, it just struck me because I was like, who would you have to be if you weren't like a Northwestern alumni? Who would you be if you weren't like that Blackhawks fan and who would you be like you just have to be you and what would that what would that be like for some people very freeing for others terrifying but at the end of the day it's what you do with what's in front of you and you know I kind of like to say like you know you take the rubble of your life and if you're in that season it's like you sift through it you decide what you're going to take with you and what you're going to leave behind And I think for a lot of us, it's finding our voice. And how do we find our voice? Well, we use it for whatever. It's setting that boundary in our work professional life. It's, you know, setting that boundary with a a family member. It's showing up for ourselves. It's getting up at half an hour early and journaling or doing your workout or whatever that looks like. I don't know. I encourage you to think about like, what has your life told you you are? Like what is, what is from the time you were little, are you, are you Catholic? Are you this? Are you that? Like how many, how many, like, uh, like, I don't know, what do they call it? Like how many like external like embellishments have you been carrying around as like a part of your identity that like maybe didn't even choose? I, I know that like a lot of the things, you know, I was listening to a podcast about how a lot of the things that happen to us that people are like, oh, it all happens for a reason were things that happened to us. They weren't things that we could have changed or could have altered our uh, direction or stance and not had them hit us. A lot of the things in our lives that knock us to our knees are things that are out of our control. I'm all about taking ownership. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's something I'm big on, but like some things happen to us. And I know that, you know, with a lot of work, you can alchemize that into saying for us, but I think it's important to just acknowledge sometimes things are coming at you. And I think if we're really honest, a lot of our identity was given to us. It's almost like you're born and it's like, here, put this on. In our family, we're Bears fans. In our family, we do this. And, you know, this is where we go to church. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, it always freaks me out when people's kids have the exact same beliefs as them. I'm like, you have done a masterful job of (laughs) brainwashing your child into believing everything you think. I'm always kind of like, shouldn't there be like you know, the artistic child that believes something different. Shouldn't there be like, you can't all believe the same thing and have had like your own true authentic experience. I, I talk to my siblings about this a lot. Like we all three went through similar things. 
And we all three, I believe, have a very different way of handling what happened and how we show up in the world. I would say we're similar, but we all chose to handle situations slightly differently because we're different people. And I kind of say that makes sense. But I don't know. I think, you know, going into this year and thinking about using your voice and thinking about shedding the identities that were never yours to begin with. And, you know, I, I think sometimes it's scary to change that role in your family and your business. And I think so many times in my life, it's not like I've been afraid of the change. I've been afraid of how the change is going to impact everyone else because like, how is my family going to function if I'm just not the funny one? Or how is my business going to function if I'm not just the accommodating? And it all shakes out and there are growing pains, but for the most part, I, I've found in my life that uh, it's not as big of a deal. As, and it's not as hard as stomaching and sitting in uh, a role that no longer serves you. And, you know, la- a couple weeks ago on the podcast, we had Dana Frost on and she was talking about how like we're all, like what worked for you last year isn't going to work this year. And like we're all in different chapters, different seasons and it's not always going to stay the same and be the same. But I think acknowledging that is that we're less disappointed at, at ourselves, that things can't just keep go rolling and going the way they've been going. I think that's a lie we're sold of like, like, oh, like, you know, if you get it right, like it should take you through your career. And it's like, well, what if we all went into it knowing that like, we're always going to have to have these different iterations of our businesses and that each season is going to demand a different person from us. And so we have to keep evolving and growing. And, you know, I know this word fluid is kind of popular right now, but it's like we have to remain fluid and able to be flexible with what our business and our lives and demand from us. And so, I don't know, I, I just want to leave you with the idea that the people you're afraid of saying what you're afraid of them saying, get over it because <laughs> they're going to say it. But you know what else is going to happen, which has been, well, two things. One, the people that you thought, some of the people that you thought were going to pass judgment are going to be your biggest fans. They're going to think what you're doing is so cool. They're going to be so inspired and empowered by you. And just a lot of what you're afraid of is just you, you, your fear in your head. And then two, there are going to be people that live more into who they are because watching you do it gives them permission to as well. And I know you've probably heard that a lot of places, but I've seen it. I've seen it how, how just me showing up more as myself, imperfectly messy, crying behind the chair, grieving over my dog, has this really cool ability to create real authentic connections with people. And I think that that's probably what the coolest part of our job is, but also in anyone's work, right? So even if you're behind the chair and you're making something else, it's like, isn't the goal to connect with people and the goal to just reach people and 
Uh, I think just getting over the naysayers because honestly, like even if there's a hundred people that don't like what you're doing to everyone, I promise you that one person finding empowerment or finding joy or feeling less alone or connected, it's going to be worth the hundred hate mail emails you get. And you won't get those. There, people don't give a shit that much. I'm just here to tell you. Spoiler alert, people don't really care. But the ones that do, that are sitting on the sidelines, as Brene Brown would say, of their own lives and the cheap seats in the arena that aren't in it with you, they will have something to say, but they also won't get those messages from people about how you've sent them a lifeline or you've showing sharing this has made them realize that that's something they want to do. They don't get those nice messages either. And so I think realizing that, yeah, if you're... If you don't risk being seen or you don't risk showing up and being imperfect and kind of sucking at something, you don't get the hate mail, but you also don't get the love letters. And getting those love letters make make all the hate mail worth it. So all this is to say, say what you need to say, be who you really are this year. And yeah, I mean... It just frees you up and it feels good to be free. We've all been at home. We might as well let our freak flags fly. You know, we're here. We made it. We're, we're, still, we're still in it. So that's all I have to say this week. Hey, guys, I have a favor. If you enjoy She Makes Waves, the podcast, or you loved this episode in particular, can you head over to iTunes and rate and review the podcast so that we can get it in the ears of more people that need the information that we're sharing? It would mean the world to me. It empowers me to keep going, and every message I get from you guys means the world to me. Have a wave-making day, and I'll see you next week.